Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we're taking you through the best bits of death by Sadigaru. Um, an inside story. Sorry about the eardrums there, listeners. Now, this could be the grimmest uh, launch month opening ever, but welcome to 2023. Well, You're going to die. We're going to die. And as we said, it's uh, as we'll soon find out, the sad man... Sees it as a wonderful, beautiful thing, Ash Joe, death. That's so it. we could, um, maybe it is a beautiful month of it death. Could, it could be. We all want to live well. You know, that's kind of the essence of most human aspirations. Uh, he's saying that much, if not most, of human endeavor is dedicated to living well, and our outcomes kind of reflect it. We've achieved a lot in terms of living well. We've managed to acquire more comfort, more convenience than any generation in the past. It's kind of the best time to be alive when it comes to living well. But on the other hand, when it comes to dying well, uh, we're pretty much doing it the exact same way that our ancestors did. We haven't really um, upped the ante in that part of the game. You know, many, many factors explain why we're very successful when it comes to living, but not many factors show why we're actually dying better. He says, really, there's a big disparity between the way we treat life and the way we treat death. We've got that big goal, as we said, of living well at the start. He says we should also have the goal of dying well that nobody's really thought about yet. He said that humans, we don't know much about death, and that's because we don't know much about life in the first place. Interesting. But death is a brief occurrence at the end of a very long life. So people are clueless about the simple questions in life, like where do we come from, where are we going? So confusion around what happens at death is really understandable. So it once happened, there was a rich bloke, he built a big house for his family. Now it's tradition in India to bring a yoga to your house and so they welcomed him in with a great meal and he sat there having his cup of tea and he said, uh, first, may your father die, then you die and then your children die. <laughs> and the kids are like, what the hell? Who invited this bloke for dinner? So, you know, you're sitting down to, to say grace, you're expecting some kind of wisdom. I hope you have a beautiful, plentiful life. This house is everything you imagined. Your children become rich and prosperous and... No, he's saying your dad's going to die, you're going to die, your kid's going to die. Everyone was pissed <laughs> off at this, at this point. All right, yeah, you wouldn't be dishing out your your uh, your lentil, you know, dal curry to this yogi. I think you'd be kicking him out on his ass. But then he said, before you kick me out, have a think of this. Is is it not good that if your father dies first and then you die, then your children die? It means that life is going to be in its natural cycle. Mm. If you die before your father dies or your children die before you die, that's that's not the right way to go about it. So the yogi, he was saying it was actually the best blessing he could ever give you is telling everyone that they're going to die, but in the right order. That's true. <laughs> so traditionally in India, people classify deaths in two kinds. You've got timely death and untimely death. Now, if the yogi leaves the body at the age of 30, then this isn't necessarily untimely. It's not about age. It's more about the intent to live. Yeah, we often, probably in the West, we probably think, you know, if someone dies at 25, it's very untimely. Someone, you know, they make it to 90, that's a pretty timely death. You're saying that's not the way you should be looking at it. It's more about the intent to live. If the intent to live is still there and, and you die, then that's an untimely death. But if you've done everything that you need to do and you've, you know, you're at peace, then that's the, the timely time to die. So he thinks more than 80% of people don't die this timely death anymore. Um, their death is unnatural or untimely because they die whilst their intent is always still on. They're still just clinging to life unnaturally. And it's unfortunate because it has a bearing upon how the death happens in that moment and what happens after that. 
Where do you reckon he got that stat from, 80%? Well, he's, he's got some insights because he says he knows what goes on after that. So he probably spoke <laughs> to the big guy upstairs and oh. said, how many percent, God? Oh. God sort of just dropped the, dropped the stats on him. Okay. Oh, that's a decent study. If you, if you can speak to people, you know, was it timely or untimely? Yeah. And you can ask, oh, okay, if you did that kind of study, I'll, I'll take his word for the 80%. Yeah. Yeah, he's, <laughs> it's good. He's almost got the skills of Demartini, this bloke. <laughs> so in, an, in a natural or timely death, the karma or the information that, you know, this innate feeling that you've still got more information that's running, that karma or that information runs out and life becomes feeble. It's not torturous. It's this sort of beautiful sort of state that you, you get in when the karma of what your life was meant to be has fully run out. Mm. Once you've made the most of it, you know, whether you say you've lived a good life or a bad life, you've lived your life and you've, you know, your uh, life energy has been all used up. Since those last few moments, they're actually going to be very peaceful. It's going to be pretty wonderful, going to be pretty perceptive. Suddenly, you'll see that people become wise. They're not attached to anything around them. They show an extraordinary sense of maturity. You know, that's the timely thing that we all want to go for. I think about the book Tuesdays with Mori. As a really example, I think that Sadhguru here is speaking about someone who, you know, fully lived her life and then got to the end and then accepted and embraced death and really died in a really beautiful way because... You can die well only if you accept your mortality at the end, which that lad, he certainly did. So he says that we must be ready for death in every moment of our life. Um, again, I'll think of, of, what was his name? The old dude on Tuesdays with Murray? Murray. Murray. <laughs> <laughs> he said he had a little birdie on his shoulder every day, right? And is this the day, little birdie? Is this the day? And uh, if we realize that every day could be the day, then it is a way of living beautifully. Well played, Murray. <laughs> Funny, funny question. <laughs> it's in the title. <laughs> that's, that's oh, gosh. oh, gosh. Uh, why do we fear death? He says the fear of death comes around because of a certain sense of ignorance or unawareness. Most people are terrified just by seeing a dead body. Have you seen too many dead bodies? Not really, man. A couple, uh, one, one or two, other than the story you love me keep bringing up. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't think people have heard that in this episode yet. No, yeah. No. I'll tell you about the time I went to India and travelled the world. <laughs> when I was doing uh, physio, I reckon it was the third day of university. They oh. put us in the anatomy labs with the uh, with the cadavers. So, it was, it was pretty full on for really? the third day of uni. What's was a cadaver? 18, 17-year-old kid. Yeah. Dead body. Oh, God. Like to, you know, so you could see how the muscles and bones work. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's outrageous. Did it slap you in the face or did you sort of see it as an abstract thing that's not going to happen to you? Uh, I'd say at 17, it was just, just I don't a, know, just uncomfortable around for sure. Mm. But uh, the sad guru says, you know, if you just see a random dead body, uh, there's not really a lot to be afraid of. Dead bodies are absolutely safe, but everyone's afraid of them. But because we don't realize that death is this natural process. If life happens, you know, and we live life the way we're meant to live it and then death comes along, that's just all natural. So, being afraid of something natural, being afraid of death is unnatural, <laughs> just yeah. to give you a sad guruism. Yeah. There's always paradoxes in some of these philosophies right here, isn't there? Um, as a culture, he says, we're really pushing against this as, as much as we can. Um, we're not letting ourselves leave our body consciously because instead, we'd rather die with tubes hanging out of the body everywhere and in doing so, um, what is in fact happening in these hospitals is, is worse than hell. You know, he's, he's from India, so he says, if you go to a government hospital in India, 
you're going to see and witness hell. Um, and this is a state none of us want to end up being in because we, we can't embrace actual death, the end of our life. We'd rather, you know, go out with the tubes hanging out. Yeah, he says that all of these measures that we have in place, there are plenty of healthcare interventions that are going to keep you going. But he's saying it's a pretty unnatural way to do it. He's saying that if you can uh, really take on the sad guru way of looking at things, you're not going to want to do these things. You're going to want to live up until that point of, you know, we've, you've lived out all your karma and then you'll be at peace. What about grief, mate? This is probably a very hard one for anyone listening right now. If you lose someone that you love, uh, if I want to learn about death, that's the sort of stuff that's going to be really important because it's really useful because it's, unfortunately it's going to happen to everyone as as uh, as we've already spoken about. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a pretty tough thing whenever somebody important to you, someone close to you dies, there's going to be a hell of a lot of grief. Sad guru, uh, we're going to obviously give you a different approach to that. This is uh, the sad man's approach to it. He says that, your grief is not because someone died. You know, that one life going away doesn't mean much to you. You know, thousands of people are, you know, dying. They're going away from this world every every day. Even in your own city, there are many, many, many people dying. You know, so many funerals going on all at the same time. But he's saying that it doesn't necessarily need to be a major thing to you. I don't even know how, how to... <laughs> am I going in the right direction here? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, uh, if, if all these people dropping on the earth, it's the fact that some person dropped off the earth isn't the reason you're grieving. The problem that you're feeling is there's just basically a vacuum left in your life. So essentially you're grieving because someone who filled a part in your life, it's now disappeared. So one part of your life has become empty and you're not able to handle that emptiness. Good say. That's what grief is. It's not it's got nothing to do with that person mm. leaving. It's about that emptiness in your own life. That's a yeah, good. You saved I was I was head trailing off into nothingness ever. You really saved that because it that's true. It's not what we think obviously we think we're upset and we're sad because that person's gone, but as you say, you're not. It's actually you're upset because that part of your life is gone. Yeah, that's it. So for example, uh, you've building a life around someone, you might be engaged and you've got plans in your mind of what you want to do, I'm going to get married to that person or I'm going to have two children, or I'm going to make the children do this and that and you're sort of fantasizing about what your life would be but now that person's vanished and suddenly all those dreams are shattered hmm. um, and you don't know what to do with yourself and you're disillusioned. Disillusionment means all the illusions about the future of what's going to happen, they've just been destroyed right now. That's right. He says this is really the time to then come back to reality. You know, you've had all these dreams about the future and what you're going to do with this person. All of a sudden, that person's no longer there, so those dreams can't happen exactly the way you pictured it. So, those illusions are gone. It's time to come back to reality. So, grief is just about your incompleteness. It might sound pretty cruel and cold to say, but a lot of people are going to suffer more if they lose all their money or their sustenance than they lose a spouse, parent or child. Uh, I won't say who for obvious reasons, but I did um, hear of someone who previously lost a child but then after losing that child, they had their whole life wrapped up in their career and then they got fired from their job and they said to this other person that they felt more pain from losing their, that job where their whole identity was wrapped up in than the actual kid. Um, pretty outrageous that. Maybe they, I think the, the career was a way to cover up for the kid maybe and then it all came crashing in the one hit but it is in Sadhguru's wheelhouse here that it's all about the incompleteness that you have and it's the gap and it is akin to any sort of gap that can be created in your life. Yeah, he says this same feeling of grief that comes around when you lose somebody important to you 
he says, you know, it is a, it can be that similar feeling of grief that you experience, as you say, when you lose a job, when you lose your money. Uh, he says that people feel grief just because they're not successful. They're not exactly where they want to be. People can feel grief because they're not able to get all the things that they want. You know, you feel grief when your house burns down. You feel grief when you crash your car. A child can feel grief when their teddy bear is gone. So he's saying these same feelings of grief can come from all different situations. Yeah, for example, like a kid might feel more grief for losing a dog than the grandfather or something and might seem brutal, but it is the case and it's very human. So, grief is, is going to happen in your life and all this sense of loss in all sorts of different forms. We don't wish for it, but at least a sad guru doesn't just state the problem. He's got a, a few ways to actually get past grief. Yeah, he's saying that, you know, he's not saying, okay, I hope everyone around you dies because uh, that's not what the sad man's saying but he's saying that it's gonna something's gonna happen so you need to have some kind of strategies to go beyond it he says you can't you know if you lose a child for example he says you can't forget your child you can't tell yourself oh it's all fine it's natural it was gonna you know that's just destiny it was meant to happen he says that that kind of approach to trying to get over the grief is not going to work whatsoever yeah it's true that this person was very precious to you um, and something that means a lot to you is now gone but really, the fact of life is that when something slips beyond the realm of what you call as life right now, once it crosses that boundary, it's not yours anymore. You know, you, you, you might think that you need to keep and nurture this relationship you previously had with this. You know, you're still the parent of this child or whatever it might be. Be careful how worth this, but according to Sadaguru, that sort of relationship or hanging on to that is, is stupid and that's where the, a lot of the pain is going to be uh, left over. Yeah, it is a, a brutal one and if you're anywhere near that if you know something like that's happened to you and you're anywhere near uh the time where something like that's happened i think you'd listen to sad guru and tell him to fuck off because yeah. that's not how but he, as sad guru kind of says you know when someone's dead that's the business in this life is kind of over and he says obviously at the time as you know right close to it you're going to be unwilling to come to terms with that and that's totally natural and that's when grief sets in but he says eventually grief slowly recedes just even a little bit at first and then you know 5, 10, 15, 20 years into the future he says you don't forget about them but you kind of forget about the grief he says normally it doesn't take that long um, his stance is saying 11 days <laughs> give yourself 11 days of mourning and you can feel as sad as you want and it's going to be a very very rough 11 days he says after that you're done yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's just, it you've mourned just move on. it's all out what's the problem now so you know, people feel guilty that they're still alive when someone else has died but there's no point with that guilt because you're going to die also <laughs> you just get to wait it's, it's a brutal approach but it, it is a fact of life yeah so we can decide if we want that that truth which is actually liberating it's a brutal one but it is liberating at the fullest extreme extent maybe it um, narrows down that grief to 11 days which is uh, is a big call or we can actually hang on to that pain and the fancy lives that we think is going to give us solace Sadhguru says it's important to accept that this is the way it is you know when death happens it's a time to look back and cherish what has been and it's a time to then accept it and look it forward at what your life can become from here he says that instead of making a wreck of yourself after that his 11-day mark, then he says, why don't you look around you and realize how many other people near and dear to you are still around? Yeah, you might say if your granddaughter dies or something like that, you might feel this pain because you've got so much more love to give. Uh, what he's saying is that there are so many other daughters and grandsons with no one to care for them. So in many ways, there is an opportunity for, for you to express this love and care that you've still got in a million different ways to make the world a better place. 
There's so much life around that needs this care that you've got inside of you and you need to find an expression for that love and care. So go out and do that instead of feeling that grief and the pain and letting that that love and care just uh, not find a use. Because if you don't do that, your grief's going to be there forever and it's going to remain bottled up and torture you your whole entire life. You're saying as long as you're alive, it's important to see how you can contribute to the living because he says other than the, the few rituals that you can do in those first 11 days, there's nothing more you can do about the people who are dead. He says that if you know the person who died, the person you're grieving about, if they've enriched your life in some way, then show how much they've enriched your life. Take that enrichment into your life and help spread that to other people who are still alive. Yeah, like the person who did pass away, I'm sure that's looking back, that's how they might want to see you live your life and inspired by the way they lived. Um, so, sad man, he says it's, it's not right to think that someone should not die. People should die. We just want them to complete their whole course of life and then die. That's a better way of phrasing it according to him. Yeah, he says instead of saying we don't want people to die, he's saying we should not want people to Hang on. He says we should, <laughs> we should want people to not die an untimely death. He that's says right. death isn't the concern, the untimely death, that's the concern. He says you need to understand that whatever situations, whatever things happen to you in your life, you can come out of it with greater strength or you can be left broken by it. The choice is yours and that's the choice that every human being has. Even if we can't teach the whole population a way where they can live beautifully every moment of their life, uh, we can at least try and make them manage the last moment of their life in a sensible way and make this last moment of disembodiment very beautiful. He says that people may believe they're living well, but they're not. You know, we think that we live in good homes, we drive good cars, wear good clothes, but we think that we're living well because we look at other people around us who don't have those nice things and we think, oh, well, that's good for us. We've got a better house and uh, old Jonesy down the road, we drive a nicer car, we've got nicer clothes. He says people think that that's living well. That's not living well. He says that's a sick life. It's a bit of a sick life if you're <laughs> it's looking a sick life. someone's driving past looking at old Jonesy like that. <laughs> so, according to Sadhguru, a better way to live if you're able to sit here in a way that nothing matters. I don't know if that's nihilistic or not, but it's, it's great. Whether you have something or not or whether there is food to eat or not, it doesn't matter to you. No matter what life throws at you, you just sit there and you're totally fine with whatever comes. Whatever clothes you're wearing does not decide who you are right now. Whatever house you're in doesn't decide who you are right now. However, someone else treats you, that doesn't decide who you are right now. You know, Whatever somebody says about you, that doesn't decide who you are right now. If you are like this, you are living well for sure. Wherever you sit, your experience of life will be beautiful. Sadhguru's spiritual process, he said it's about helping people die well and in turn, helping people to live well as well. Mm-hmm.